Welcome back to Podcast 59 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a $500 free bet with a $500 deposit, please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out, support the podcast and the website we would love to help you out please visit the icebreakers.com click shop and become a member pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves you can also support us on patreon.com and if nothing else please visit the icebreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber my friends what a crazy week in nfl week one here i've never seen anything like it where there's just that many missed field goals, that many massive upsets. Heck, there's a lot of massive upsets that happened in college football this week. And actually over the past three weeks, I don't remember a football season starting out this turbulent in my entire life. It was a little bit turbulent for me as well. I only went seven for eight in college football, should have been nine and six, had two Terrible overtime beats that I'm going to get into a little bit that brought us to seven and eight. And in the NFL, I had a really bad week. Three for nine. A lot of those plays were small prop plays, but still three for nine. And now I'm only 14 for 16, including the preseason in the NFL for 2022. Crazy start. Lots of survivor picks were absolutely demolished this week. Heck, the Circus Survivor is still pending on this Denver Broncos-Seattle Seahawks game. And if the Seahawks pull this upset, over half of the Survivor entries are going to be gone. Almost half are gone right now. Absolutely insane, I got to tell you. And I enjoyed watching football, at least all the way up to the Sunday night game. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, the upsets were just massive. And uh, some of the beats were crazy and lots of overtimes already here early in the football season. So real quick, before I get into the recap, I just got back from Vegas on Saturday morning, was able to watch the Alabama-Texas game from the plane, which was awesome. (laughs) And a little bit afterwards while I'm walking. Uh, My wife and I had our anniversary up there. That's where we got engaged. We went Wednesday to uh, Saturday morning. It was fantastic. Uh, She loves blackjack, so we played a bunch of blackjack and actually won. So that was an awesome part of the trip, especially when they feed you drinks. You just tip a bucket each time, you know. You know, it's funny about blackjack. A lot of people say, you know, I sit there, then I eventually lose. Well, there's a little trick that I have when I play blackjack. It's hard to leave the table when you're winning, right? You're winning. You're feeling good. You know, you, you almost feel like it's hard. You're leaving money away, but the truth is you're probably bettering yourself when you leave. Well, the best way to leave a table is let's just say you're playing $25 table or something, right? Um, let's just say you're up 500 or a thousand or even a couple hundred bucks. I mean, the best way to leave these tables is to put a sizable goodbye bet down. You know, let's just say you're on a roll, you're kicking butt, you're up money. And then you lose the next two hands. Well, you know what? You want to keep your money. So put a sizable bet down, maybe three or four times the amount that you'd normally bet in blackjack. And then have that a kiss of goodbye. If they take it, you, you still just grab all your winnings and leave. But if it hits, you let it keep rolling. You take your winnings, you take your winnings, you take your winnings. Maybe even get a little cute and put a couple more. Well, that, that has happened a few times to me. And I've rolled like... 15 more times before in the past without crapping out or blackjacking out, you should say. Yeah, it's funny. I'm saying roll. I'm talking about blackjack. I I did play some craps as well, but uh, the easiest way to leave these situations is just to have a good buy bet. So you feel better about what you did and your mind feels a lot better about leaving that table going for one little last hurrah. Just don't stay after you did that. That's that's when you have the problem, you know. I mean, go get a drink, go watch some TV, go watch some sports, 
I'll throw some of your winnings in a slot machine because, you know, I always like the progressive slot machines where you're going to actually have a chance of winning seven figures. But, uh, you know, try to do something else for a while. So that's the way that I'm able to leave blackjack and winning. Just just want to let you know my strategies. I'd like to hear yours, though. If you have any, feel free to tweet us at theoddsbreakers.com. Tweet me at obkev if you have uh, a better strategy on how to leave those blackjack tables. But it worked out for us. Had a great weekend. And, man, did we eat good. What a lot of people don't know about Las Vegas is that their culinary scene is absolutely five-star fantastic. You know, where we eat that lunch at? We eat lunch at the Bellagio. I believe it was called Sedella's. Yes, Sedell's, either way, it's right by the garden, right by the flower garden there. Fantastic meal. This egg sandwich was wonderful. My wife had the tuna sandwich. It was just amazing food there. Then we went to the Cromwell one of the nights and ate at Giada's. That was really good. But my best meal was Friday night before we went to Mad Apple. Went to a show called Mad Apple, and that was at the Nomad Library at Park MGM. I could not believe how good the chicken was there. You know, my wife got it before, like when she went with her mom and we had to go back. She had to show me. It was the most tender chicken, the most tasty chicken I've ever had. And if you uh, put the appetizer, the tuna tartare before the hand, they will come out and actually make the tuna tartare right in front of you. And what was the best part, in my opinion, was the bread that they gave you before. Maybe the best bread I've ever had in my life. It's called popover bread. Okay? Popover. And I think there's some sort of like cheese inside of it, but it didn't really feel like it. I think they make the bread with some sort of uh, a cheese, but it's like a very fluffy, almost like hollow bread. And you put some butter on it, and it just tastes like immaculate man it's the best bread i think i've ever had in my entire life at this nomad library and to be honest with you i wasn't drinking before i went there so this wasn't just some crazy experience i'm telling you i thoroughly enjoyed this place and if you're in vegas if you live in vegas or if you go visit and you haven't went to the nomad library at park mgm make sure you check that out The good, the bad, and the ugly from this weekend, my friends. We're going to start out with the good here. The good was Texas. I mean, look at how well they played Alabama. Absolutely fantastic. Had Alabama on their heels. Alabama had a win with a field goal themselves. And Texas, before halftime, could have hit some plus 550 if they would have hit their field goal. They were almost ready to score, but the clock ran out and they had to try like a 15-yard chip shot, and they missed it. Just another field goal screwing them over. And they could have used that field goal at the end of the game because they lost by one freaking point. Man, I got to give a shout-out to Sarkeesian and the Longhorns right there. You know, what an amazing effort by them. I mean, that pretty much made the weekend. It was definitely the greatest game of the weekend, in my opinion. And uh, I think that's everybody's opinion. You can call that a fact. <laughs> greatest game of the weekend and that's definitely the good another good is that nebraska finally fired scott frost i mean these fans have been waiting forever for them to be good and just the amount of chances that scott frost have and then you lose to georgia southern at home and then we found out northwestern wasn't that good when they lost to duke it's just like oh my god it is time they fired him and they have to pay him a good goodbye fee in the, I think it's in the eight digits, maybe the lower eight digits. Um, I hear like fifteen million. I have to double check something like that, but that is a massive, massive move for Nebraska having to fire him. I believe Mickey Joseph is going to replace Frost on the interim, who was one of their passing coordinators here, and uh, not going to be Whipple. It's going to be Mickey Joseph, according to the information that I'm reading right here. So by Scott Frost, that's good for Nebraska fans. The bad, 
last weekend is all these top teams not covering their spreads. <laughs> Alabama not covering, number one. Georgia not covering against Sanford, number two. Ohio State number not covering, number three. Michigan not covering. They should have covered, but they decided not to score much in the second half. Uh, their spread was 52, and they won by 46. <laughs> Clemson not covering against Furman. You know, Texas A&M losing outright to Appalachian State. That's bad. You know, so all these top teams just not covering. I don't even think Oklahoma covered. They played Kent State. They won. No, 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 no. This was a 25-point spread. I think Oklahoma finally, when you get to seven, didn't cover. Then good old Notre Dame losing to Marshall is bad. Number eight, Notre Dame. Now they're out of the playoffs at 0-2. Notre Dame fans are livid. I believe they got an injury there anyway that we're going to get into a little bit later in our betting spots segment. But uh, that was bad. And the ugly is definitely the whole freaking Big Ten West. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 That's me pretty much as a Badger fan watching them lose to Washington State last weekend. Absolutely freaking embarrassing. Losing at home, scoring 14 points against Wazoo. My Lord. I mean, I guess not the whole Big Ten West because Minnesota destroyed Western Illinois. Big deal. But Northwestern losing to Duke. 2-0 freaking Duke? <laughs> Man. I guess Illinois did well. They got their revenge game in. That was one of the plays we hit on. Illinois won by 21 points against Virginia. But Iowa losing to Iowa State? Disgusting. Bad. They're, they're over three-point favorites in that game. Three and a half, four points. <laughs> just, just a terrible offense. Watching Iowa games... It is like watching paint dry. You know, you are getting nothing from it. <laughs> These are one of those games that's like you are you're not gonna get anything, any handicapping knowledge from Iowa. Their defense is good and their offense sucks. You know, and their defense is good but not great, also. So go ahead and watch paint dry instead. Uh Purdue did play Indiana State, so we can't count them. And then Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern that got Scott Frost fired. 45 to 42 freaking ugly the whole big 10 west has been absolutely ugly this is a just terrible side of the big 10 and they need to get a lot better before i start buying into these teams you know i had a downgrade it's just like i said before if you listen to this show before the football season started i said that all these big 10 west games or teams are suspect you know, I said all their win totals should be around eight. Well, maybe they all should be a little bit less if they're going to be losing these non-conference games. Just terrible. There are two kinds of people in the world, my friend. Those with a rope around their neck and the people who have the job of doing the cutting. All right, let's move into the recap then. Like I said, I already recapped Texas. Fantastic job by the Longhorns. Box score wise was pretty close as well, you know. They did end up getting uh, 371 yards, and Bama got 374. Very evenly matched game in Texas there. Bijan Robinson, 21 carries, 57 yards. I mean, that's against Alabama. I'm okay with that. Quinn Ewers got injured that game, but he looked good. Uh, Hudson Card came in, 14 for 22. Not quite as good, but he did okay. Texas fans have to be very happy, and hopefully Ewers comes back very soon. Um, I already talked a little bit about the top 10 there. App State, we bet App State. I sprinkled the money line. That's why I always say sprinkle your money lines, especially early. You know, sprinkle these things early because you are getting massive benefit from them. You know, I actually made my seven and eight. That and my Kansas money line play was fantastic. Brought me into the positive. I wish I would have gave Kansas's money line out to premium subscribers. I didn't. I just did it for the better odds show that I filmed quickly while I was in Vegas. I said to take Kansas plus the 420, and uh, they end up hitting, you know? Uh, so that was my most likely dog to hit. So actually, college was positive, even though I was 7-8 for myself, but I can't count that as premium, so I'm slightly down um, at 7-8 and eight on premium instead of 8-8, eight eight, 
with that Kansas. So Baylor versus BYU, we made a second half bet on BYU, and this was our bad beat late at the night. Uh, It's just frustrating. I'm sitting there screaming at the TV. BYU's missing field goals, and we have plus four and a half points. The contest, William Hill was plus three and a half, and I I had Baylor's side on that. But BYU couldn't hit a field goal. Baylor missed a game-winning field goal. I, I was hoping BYU would hit just so I win the bet. But no, it goes to overtime. Of course, guess what happens? Baylor penalized, blah, 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 loses by a full six points. BYU scores the touchdown. Yeah, it was so freaking predictable. Bad beat, bad overtime beat on BYU. Any game that goes overtime and you're on the dog, it's a bad beat because you cap the full game. I say it all the time. But it's like frustrating losing both of them. You know, when you have them both and you lose them both, that's the frustrating part. And when I say both, I mean Pittsburgh versus Tennessee. You know, Pittsburgh, everything against them, right? They lose their quarterback in the second quarter, Caden Slovis. Then they lose their center later. You know, Nick Patty came in and actually did decent, 9 for 20, but... You know, I mean, he did decent. He was good enough to tie them, and they tied coming into the end of this game. But then Narduzzi does not go for two. And now there's two minutes and 30 seconds left. I would never go for two with two minutes and 30 seconds left under normal circumstances. But these circumstances where they lost their starting quarterback and they lost their center, their center is the most important guy in the line, tells everyone where to block, points at people, points at the three technique the five technique linebackers blitzing you know he kind of runs the show you know and i'm like in this situation you go for two and see if your defense can get you a four and out you know because even if you don't make it you still can call some timeouts there at the end and even get the ball back i in this situation i say go for two because of they're down and their backs against the wall they're not going to win in overtime so I said they're not going to win in overtime against a very strong and powerful Tennessee offense. The plus six and a half does not go. Anyone that got the plus seven, congrats. It was only seven for like a half day on Monday. But uh, it was a frustrating loss. And uh, in the contest, it was also six and a half. So I went five and three with my partner in the contest myself. Should have been seven and one, but that's okay. Going to recap these games and hopefully luck will a little bit more on our side next time. We'll see. USC took care of business against Stanford. But to be honest with you, USC's defense is very suspect. You know, their offense looks awesome with Lincoln Riley. They only scored six points that second half. Now, they were kind of in like prevent mode a little bit. Stanford scored 14 at the end there. Stanford also screwed up and turned over in the red zone. The game was a little closer than that score shows of 41 to 28. Um. Oklahoma State, Arizona, a lot of people bet that over. That went under. It was an interesting one. Uh, I'm still kicking myself for not betting Kentucky, Florida in that weird spot. They beat Utah. I just didn't think it was quite early enough to put enough points on the letdowns factor here after they beat Utah, and Kentucky went in and just cleaned their clocks. You know, It was also a revenge game for Florida, but this spread was like five and a half, six. What the hell am I doing not betting this? You know? I'm I'm seriously kicking myself for for uh, missing out on a very strong lean of mine. It's problem is I had Florida. I think I had them like four and a half, five points, and maybe I over adjust them the first game. I adjust them like a point and a half too. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. Or or I was too low on Kentucky. But you know that's how that one went. And then uh, that covers the main games. Texas Tech Houston, we did win on Houston plus three and a half. Thank goodness. Um, that's uh, where line value matters. <laughs> In a lot of cases, line value didn't matter for some of my key bets, like uh, B- UAB. I had that at minus four, went all the way up to minus six and a half. You know, bet that right away. Liberty's quarterback was missing, and Liberty looked better with their backup quarterback, and UAB couldn't do nothing. They were getting penalized all over the place as well. So that's going to happen, um, especially when you're playing away. You know, that, that certainly can happen. But what else happens when you're away is turnovers. Four to one turnover ratio. That's where they got killed. But, you know, they also got outgained, so not really that misleading. Liberty beat them fair or square. So we're on the NFL. What a 
crazy week in the NFL, like I was saying earlier. I mean, how the heck do you have so many missed field goals? Well, I'll start out with the Bills versus Rams. My wife and I went to Caesars and watched some of this game, which was fun. Their sportsbook's massive, but there's just also a ton of people in it. After a while, we just went to a poker machine with a TV <laughs> and a sidebar and uh, watched the rest of the game there while we video pokered our way down $20 and a bunch of free drinks. So <laughs> that's how you roll when you're in Vegas if you're trying to kill time. He's play very slow video poker. You have to have a minimum of 40 in the machine. So just play very slow, and uh, you'll drink pretty much for free. Another pro tip for you. But anyways, uh, yeah, Bill, Bill's just destroyed them this whole second half, you know. And I, I had Rams in a teaser leg, and I lost it. But, you know, there's Super Bowl hangovers, but this is a massive hangover. When you, when you play that first game, you're supposed to step it up that first freaking game. They didn't. They got Matt Stafford was awful. He threw like three interceptions. You know, three interceptions, 240 yards. Thank goodness for Cooper Cup. That was the only good thing. 128 yards for Cooper Cup. Everyone else was just terrible on that team. Daryl Henderson looks like he's got the starting job. Cam Akers only three carries for no yards. Not looking good from a fantasy perspective for old Cam Akers. Unfortunately, I owe him in the league, but let's move on to something a little bit nicer to talk about. My Chicago Bears beating the San Francisco 49ers as seven-point dogs at home. Unreal. That was one of the bets we hit on. I took the Bears plus seven, and it was a smelly bet, but it was a situation that um, I thought that uh, it'd be a lot tougher on the 49ers, especially in the rain. I actually made the bet before the rain, though. But I liked it more when the rain came in. I didn't want to. I didn't want to press the Bears. What I didn't like was when the Bears were down ten to zip and they looked absolutely terrible. So I actually even lost a, a, a buyback bet on the on the 49ers minus three with a bet for less, uh, trying to middle it. And to be honest with you, I should have made that bet. I'm glad I did, even though I lost. And the reason I did is because this freaking box score is absolutely misleading from hell. San Francisco had 176 rushing yards, you know, and 155 passing yards. The Bears had 99 rushing yards and 105 passing yards, and all that was in the second half. All those second, they were getting destroyed on the box score in the first half, you know. And to be honest with you, a bunch of momentum, Trey Lance being green, is the reason they won this game as well as the rain. The Bears looked very inept this game. They looked terrible. Plus, they had some dropped interceptions on the other side. And there were some really, really bad penalties against the 49ers. And I'm telling you this as a Bear fan because I'm honest. This Bears team does not look good to me. Even though they won, this was just one of those head scratchers. Massively outgained. Trey Lance, ugh, still a little suspect. You know, It, it much, would have been a lot better with Jimmy Garoppolo starting this game, in my opinion. You know, Trey Lance... Probably a one-read type guy right now. I'm not so sure. He seemed to tuck the ball in pretty quick, you know. Seemed a little nervous when he was out there. He did some good things, and he's got some legs. But I'm not I'm not sure if he's even a playoff quarterback yet. I think that the jury's out on that. And I'm telling you, it's overreaction week. And this is going to be massive overreactions coming in this week on these lines and just public perceptions. Hell, I was listening to VEASAN and there was people talking about the end of the world with Trey Lance. And so I don't go that far, man. He just looked a little bit inept in that situation, but it was a way. It was a rainy game. The Bears grabbed some momentum. The Niners dropped some interceptions. They lost the running back in Mitchell to injury. I mean, that's football. That's football. And then you got the Saints. They barely won their survivor, but missed field goals in this game too. And the Saints didn't, didn't even show up until the second half. Just rusty the whole first half, but they did enough to win that game. But you could tell that the Saints were five points better than the Falcons at least, but they just didn't show it until the second half. That's the frustra frustrating thing about that bet. You know, very frustrating. But what's even more frustrating is people that were on the Bengals, Bengals survival. I actually called it out and said the Ravens is the number one survivor pick. The Bengals should be second. And anybody with a Bengals survival ticket was going. 
no! Soon as they miss those field goals. Soon as they miss those field goals. Can you freaking believe how many field goals Evan McPherson missed? He was terrible. Sorry, it was an extra point and a field goal. He doesn't miss. There's some bad snapping on it. And they should have won that game at least for survivor players. You know, the Steelers definitely should have covered that game. And whoever bet the Steelers was absolutely on the right side. But the Bengals should have won that game. They outbox scored the hell out of the Steelers. One problem for the Steelers is now TJ Watts got a partially torn peck, I believe. That's my guess. And the full diagnosis ain't out, but he's out for a while. And Najee Harris is out. If if Watt gets surgery, he's out the full year. That's not good for the Steelers and that massive defense having your best player out like that. It's not. So in a win, the Steelers kind of lost a little. We'll see how banged up Najee really is. I'm going to get a report hopefully before our fantasy segment with D-Nasty coming up a little later. And then you have your Eagles. Eagles are up by 17 points at the end of the third quarter, and then Lions with two backdoor TDs come back to cover that spread for Lions betters. Anyone with an Eagles ticket was like, fucking bullshit! <laughs> that's kind of the way it is. Yeah, And that's why these spreads are never really, well, I wouldn't say never, but lots of them are possible, you know, because the team plays prevent. They don't care if they are up by two scores. They'll let you get down if there's time left. And in many cases, that little let up is enough to lose the game. I've seen it many times being a Bears fan, how they prevent the win. I call prevent defense, which is like a deep cover two. I call it prevent the win because you leave the middle of the field wide open and they teams will just pick away at you and run out of bounds. Prevent the win defense. Yeah, the Ravens took care of business against the Jets. That was easy. I should have bet that like three more times. <laughs> I gave it out as my free play as well as well as that loser teaser. But uh, the Ravens was an easy one. I had massive line value on that too, minus five and a half a couple weeks ago. Washington takes care of the Jags. The Panthers-Browns was close. I was actually on the Panthers' side. Tried to believe in Baker, but that team was terrible. Um, they let Chubb like run 140 some yards all over him, just not enough. And a, a, even a journeyman quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, you know, just kind of more of a second string guy, lifer, comes in and beats Baker Mayfield in Carolina. Pretty pathetic for Carolina. Matt Rule just uh, not sure if he's a full uh, NFL head coach. I think he's a college coach still. I think there's some things about playing defense that he doesn't understand. I think that uh, he doesn't have the right support system, the right coordinators there is either. But now you have Baker Mayfield coming in, and uh, that was your opportunity to win, Baker, and you waited all the way till the fourth quarter to do it. You know, you you were uh, too tight the first half, and uh, that's why you're not making $40 million a year, pal, or even the $30 million that you turned down. 30 or 34 you turned down. Just absolutely insane how much that was. Colts-Texans. This is another one that uh, pissed a lot of people off, especially on the Survivor, because the Colts were a massive seven-point favorite. Maybe the second biggest Survivor play was the Colts, and they end up losing the Survivor because they tied the freaking game. Matt Ryan... (laughs) You know, proves that he's really not that much different than Carson Wentz. He still stinks in the red zone. Now, he did have some, I think it was Pittman dropped a blatant touchdown. You know, I mean, he at least threw for 350 yards. Mills only had to throw for 240. This was a massive box score difference as well. Texans were massively outgained. They let him back in the game at the end. And I believe... They missed a field goal as well to win this game. So one of my survivor plays was absolutely destroyed uh, thanks to the Colts, which really pissed me off. But uh, it is what it is. Two to one turnover ratio. And uh, Matt Ryan threw a really ugly turnover in that game also. Matt Ryan as a favorite 
has not been my favorite bet. Since the Kyle Shanahan days of him being the offensive coordinator in Atlanta, it's just been all downhill for them. What I will say is uh, Shaquille Leonard, their best uh, linebacker, didn't play. So that was one thing with the with the uh, Colts and why they couldn't stop the Texans a little bit too. So might be some value in the Colts actually, but I mean as a big favorite away, ugh. <laughs> just nothing that you really want. I remember Matt Ryan as a dog on the road. He was pretty damn good as a dog on the road, I'll tell you that. Let's move on to the Sunday night game. The Dallas Cowboys hosted the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I got to tell you, this game reminded me of back in high school when I used to get stoned and play hacky sack all day. You know, you just kind of suck at hacky sack, yet you get stoned, so you probably suck worse, and you're just kicking it around for hours and realize you're doing nothing productive. Well, that's how shitty this game was. It absolutely sucked. You think the Cowboys would be a great primetime game against the Tampa Bay Bucks? You're lied to. Dak Prescott was freaking terrible. Now he breaks one of his fingers or behind his knuckle or something. Something part of his hand. And he's out now four to eight weeks. (laughs) Cowboys just went from potentially winning to being the worst team in this division. You know, I mean, horrible. But it's not like he was doing anything. Mr. $40 million wasn't doing anything. He was terrible this game. But you know what? It wasn't just his fault. His receivers weren't getting really open. And his left tackle could not block. I mean, Devin White and Shaquille Barrett had a freaking field day on Dak. And CeeDee Lamb dropping those passes. So it wasn't all Dak. It was just a terrible support system. They lost some key players there. You know, Amari Cooper gone. He just ate up so much money. But between the running back, Ezekiel Elliott, and now Dak, that's what you guys get for being greedy. That's what you guys get for being massively highest paid of your positions. You're not going to get a great team built around you. And that's what happens. You have, if you're going to, in my opinion, if you're going to get paid that kind of money as a quarterback, you have to be able to win with lesser players like Pat Mahomes. And I should have gotten into that game because they destroyed the freaking Cardinals. I just thought the Cardinals could kind of score and keep up with them. One of my losers here. But Jesus, man, paying Dak like that, he needs a support system. And this could set the Cowboys back for a while. You know, Cowboys, horrible, horrible against uh, the Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay sure looked good, even though they only had to score 19 points to win this game. Pretty simple, easy game based upon their defense. I still have my same opinion on Tampa. Very good, high up, but also very suspect on the defensive front. What is my power ratings in the NFL now? I adjusted them. Let's see who I have first. I have Buffalo first by a lot. Then I have Kansas City second. I have Tampa Bay third. I have Baltimore fourth. The Rams fifth. Baltimore and the Rams are tied in Green Bay sixth. Yeah, Cincinnati seventh. Yeah, that's that's about right. But uh, yeah, just uh, terrible for the Cowboy fans. And I should have mentioned the Raiders. I mean, this is another bet I lost. I had the nice plus four value. It closed at three and a half. Hell, it went down to three a couple times last few weeks. But geez, you know, another line value is is hard when you have an idiot like Carr whipping the ball all over, throwing three blatantly obvious interceptions. Herbert, three TDs, zero interceptions. The Raiders should have covered this game, and they couldn't get that two-point conversion. That's how much that changed from from the three-and-a-half, four, that it was at, uh, down to losing by five points. Very frustrating uh, if you're a Raiders better here. They had a shit ton of fans there. They had more fans there than the Chargers. I probably should have included that on the bad, you know. So, uh that's your recap. If you have any questions about that, tweet us at the Icebreakers. Let's get into a little college football misleading final scores. All right, college football misleading final scores. Got a lot of them in the Big Ten. Northwestern outgained Duke 511 to 473, yet lost 31 to 23. 
A three to one turnover ratio just killed them. And obviously getting jumped in the beginning down two or three touchdowns didn't help either. Wisconsin outgained Washington State 401 to 253 yards. Horrible third down efficiency and two going two for 11 on third down really did them in. Uh, 11 penalties kind of did them in. Uh, three turnovers did them in. <laughs> I mean, even though Washington State also had three turnovers, it's just Wisconsin's were much worse where they should have scored. Texas Tech outgained Houston 472 to 352, yet only one by three in overtime. A three to two turnover ratio didn't help them too much. West Virginia outgained Kansas 505 to 419, yet lost 55 to 42. A two to zero turnover ratio killed them. And Fresno State outgained Oregon State 492 to 397, yet lost 35 to 32. No turnovers, but really bad red zone efficiency and special teams by Fresno State really hurt them. Now for college football week three betting spots. Key injuries. Pitt quarterback Caden Slovis left the game with an injury in the first half. He's questionable this week. Pitt center also injured and it looked bad. Dexter, he could be out for the season. We don't know. Oregon State running back Trey Lowe and tight end Luke Musgrave are out this week. A little bit of a hurt to Oregon State. Southern Miss wide receiver Brandon Hayes is out for the season. Lower body injury. Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner will have shoulder surgery. He's out for the season, most likely, for months. Drew Pine takes over. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is expected to miss four to six weeks himself. So even with a great game with Texas, they'll have to rely on their backup. Let's go to letdown spots. There's a lot of them. Washington State versus Colorado State's an ugly one after they beat my Badgers. Marshall at Bowling Green is an obvious one to me after they beat Notre Dame. Appalachian State versus Troy after winning at Texas A&M is one for sure. Kentucky versus Youngstown State after beat, winning at Florida is one. BYU at Oregon after beating Baylor at home is certainly one. Uh, Kansas at Houston after beating West Virginia away outright is one. But huge congrats to Kansas. Two-thirds of the way are cashing our over two-and-a-half plus money season win total. Florida State may be a little bit of a letdown spot at Louisville after beating LSU. But that was they actually have a week to think about it, right? Iowa State, after finally beating Iowa, hosting Ohio is a letdown spot. Iowa State versus Ohio. And Georgia Southern at UAB, after beating Nebraska, straight up is a letdown spot. Get up spots. 0-2 Notre Dame versus Cal is one for sure. Uh, they better do something. <laughs> Nebraska versus Oklahoma, for God's sake, is a get-up spot. Texas A&M hosting Miami is one for sure after that ugly loss. Looking ahead, Miami probably. Utah in a revenge spot versus San Diego State from last year's loss is a get-up spot. And Colorado in a revenge spot versus Minnesota after getting shut out last year is one. Look-ahead spots. Wake Forest looking past Liberty to Clemson is very possible. Liberty showed some life last week. Minnesota looking past Colorado to Michigan State is possible. Uh, Arkansas looking past Missouri State to Texas A&M is very possible. Oregon State looking past Montana State to USC is very possible. A couple FCS ugly opponents. Maryland looking past SMU to Michigan is on. That's for sure. And Iowa State looking ahead to Baylor in a sandwich. So Iowa State is definitely in a sandwich here coming up against Ohio. All right, NFL week one misleading final scores. Chicago Bears were outgained 331 to 204, yet won 19 to 10. A 2-1 to turnover ratio helped them in that crazy broken play from fields that looked like the playground. That was a playground play. Uh, the Bears <laughs> massively misleading final score. The Bengals outgained the Steelers 432 to 267, yet lost 23 to 20 in overtime. A 5 to 0 turnover ratio and bad special teams killed them. 
The Jets outgained the Ravens 378 to 274, yet lost 24 to 9. Some of that was garbage yards, but still, I mean, that's a lot of yards difference. A two to one turnover ratio and bad third down. Uh, two for 14, really, on third down killed the Jets. Uh, the Colts outgained the Texans 340 to 222, yet tied 20 to 20, a two to one turnover ratio. And uh, poor Matt Ryan, red zone, <laughs> really hurt them. Bad special teams, too, missed field goals. Um, most of the other scores weren't really misleading. Just uh, bad missed field goals all across the board in NFL Week 1. All right, my friends. Now I'm going to give you a free college football play for Week 3. And we're going to go to USC right now. Fresno State is going to play USC this weekend. And they are 13.5-point dogs. You know, I wonder what this look-ahead line was. Couldn't have been quite that big. Well, Fresno State played a super easy game against Cal Poly, you know, won by over 30 points or around 30 points, while USC played their first game against Rice, and Rice actually hung with them for a little while until the second half, and then they blew away Rice, and then they go to Stanford, and they beat Stanford pretty handily, but only by about 13 points, and uh, Stanford had some boneheaded mistakes. USC's defense is very very suspect in my opinion. They are given up against those two easy teams. Stanford was terrible last year, if you remember. Uh, a little bit over five yards per play. You expect a little bit better out of them. Fresno State had to play Oregon State last week. My sleeper for the Pac-12 North. And they barely lost by three points. But they're doing well themselves. You know, Jake Hayner is 75% completion percentage, three TDs, no interceptions so far this year. I like what he's doing. And obviously, if you look at uh, Fresno State last year, they were fantastic. Only three losses the whole year. And they also took care of the Pac-12, beating Oregon last year and UCLA, if they remember. They're going to get up for this game against USC, in my opinion. You know, USC's looking all flashy with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams as quarterback but they still have some massive defensive issues. They still haven't fixed their defense, in my opinion. And they have to look a little bit ahead themselves to Oregon State, at Oregon State, who <clears throat> they got beat by last year. So I think this is a spot where Fresno State can hang enough to cover the 13.5 points. And I like this all the way down to 10.5 points for two stars. Take Fresno State, who's been destroying the Pac-12 against USC for two stars. And make sure you sprinkle that money line. Sprinkle that shit. Now it's time for a little fantasy football with our guy, D-Nasty. Now it's time for a little fantasy football week two, and D-Nasty is back. Dave. Yeah. Welcome ball back, baby. That's right. Football's back. Hope everything went well with your mother-in-law last week, my man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, she's actually doing better, actually. So she, she actually got out of the hospital a couple days ago. So oh, that's actually good news. Excellent news. Great to hear. Great nice to hear. Time. You know what else is great to hear, Dave? The Bears are in first place <laughs> in the NFC North, my man. Look at this. Chicago Bears. Bear down. Uh, and, uh, I remember that happened last year, too, though. Look how that season ended up for you. <laughs> First place, baby. I'm, I'm milking this thing. I got six days till we play the Packers at night. Six days. I'm going to be at that game. I'll oh, be there. Of course you will. Of course you will. Well, that's exciting. Uh, you know, hopefully you won't leave sad like like the Niners fans did. You never know. You never know. I <laughs> know. Oh, my Bears were so... so it, it, it was a fraudulent victory, to say the least. Uh, if you look at the uh, box score, you could kind of see that. But I'll take it. I'll take any win we can get against a big team like the Niners. But uh, I think let's get into some fantasy football then, dude. Um, lots of craziness already. We have no buys yet, and we always will get into buys. There's some stuff that I might have been a little bit wrong about. Uh, definitely Mac he didn't make a team, and I thought he'd be a good sleeper at some point. But it's not like I was saying draft him early or anything. And uh, 
Uh, I got to tell you, Saquon Barkley impressed me a little bit yesterday. Um, the Tennessee, uh, I don't know if their rush defense got worse because they had the best rush defense last year. And then, uh, you know, they they look like the worst now against the uh, Giants. I mean, I it's obviously week one, but that's pretty interesting with Saquon there. Oh, yeah, definitely leading them to the win as well. Plus, Zeke actually looks pretty crisp and uh, pretty nimble last night as well. Even though the Cowboys got crushed, uh, the good thing that came out of that game is I saw Zeke make some nice plays actually last night, so he might be back actually. Well, they're going to need Zeke a lot now that the old Dak Prescott is hurt, you know, and uh, that's something we probably should get right into then is the key injuries, Dave. Yeah, um, I'll start out. I got Dak Prescott number one. Well, I mean, 1A, I guess, injured throwing hand out six to eight weeks. They're going to be uh, hurting that quarterback now for sure. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, from run, a running back for the Niners, got hurt in the first quarter. MCL sprain, they're saying, out two months. So that's nasty. Wide receiver T. Higgins, concussion probably day-to-day, maybe week-to-week. We don't know yet. Concussions are like something you don't know for days. And Wandale Robinson, knee injury left the game. I haven't had an update on that. Najee Harris, foot injury, but it doesn't sound terrible. He might miss a little time, but probably going to make play. But I could see his backup playing a lot, too. And wide receiver Chris Godwin, hammy injury and left the game. He's week to week from what I'm hearing, Dave. Anything from yeah, there? I, yeah, actually, Keenan Allen was a major one, too. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. had injury history in the past. A hamstring strain for him. Uh, so that was another big injury of note. Uh, running back Kyron Williams, uh, He's a lower bit on the depth chart, but he was a up-and-coming rookie. Suffered a high ankle sprain. He's out to six to eight weeks as well. Uh, Damian Williams, who was supposed to get some carries, actually, behind Cordell Patterson, hence leading to Cordell Patterson's huge week. Uh, he injured his ribs at the start of the game. Uh, he ended up re-entering in the fourth, but he's still banged up, though, too. Matt Jones, this is a, one you definitely want to watch. X-rays on his back. So anything to do with the back is not a good thing. Let me tell you, from two back surgeries myself, uh, Matt Jones, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, like you said, Najee Harris, they said he is actually questionable for this week already. They, they possibly He could possibly play this week. But like you said, I uh, don't look for him to get many touches if he does play, uh, just because they'll keep an eye on him. Uh, Dwell, Wendell Robinson, actually, the nice right, upcoming yeah. for the Gi- Giants, uh, suffered a knee injury in the second quarter, uh, did not return to the game, so they didn't really give any updates on him, though, is as well well mac jones is okay they said they, the neck the x-rays are negative it sound like back spasms i think he's gonna play but i know he's not happy with what's going on there after mcdaniel's left um john mcdaniel you know he went to the coach the raiders exactly so uh you know they patricia's a terrible offensive coordinator and oh yeah and belichick's grumbly as hell so it's it's not this offense isn't looking great for the patriots i think they bounce back this week but it's just going to be a suspect offense kind of coming in Good oh another st- major injury too to know of no tj watt could be out to six weeks now with a torn pectoral muscle uh that's really going to affect the pittsburgh steelers d six Except weeks that. on a tear isn't that out for the season on a tear they said not surgery, so they said he couldn't come back in six weeks now, which is actually good good news for our UW alum. He was having an awesome game too before he got hurt, but oh. they're saying six weeks now. They said they did not does not have to have surgery, so he I'm could come so, back. Sooner. I'm so happy for him, dude. I was so pissed I was bummed. when I saw that. Oh man, yeah, six weeks. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so let's move on to the waiver wire, Dave. Why don't you get started on your waivers? All right, uh, my first one's gonna be. One that you never think of me ever coming out of my mouth, but Carson Wentz, uh, only owned in 13% of leagues right now. Uh, he threw for four touchdowns this past week. Uh, he had two to another guy, like I'm going to be on the waiver wire as well, Jahan Dotson, uh, the rookie that I liked going into a lot of my drafts this year who had two, two of those touchdowns from Carson Wentz. And Curtis Samuel, another guy you want to take a look at picking up this week. He had a team leading eight grabs and and four found pay dirt for Wentz. And then Logan Thomas actually had looked like his old self in the return too as well. He had 11 targets actually. So, um, yeah, so Dotson did. Samuel, Samuel definitely looked like the number one actually this week, which is kind of surprising with Terry McLaren there. So uh, definitely those three guys you want to look at picking up, Wentz, Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting with McLaurin there. It's like, you know, you thought McLaurin was just him and the rest, but these other two guys both had 11 targets. I find that interesting. The, Wentz was throwing the ball a lot that game. It, it was uh, The Jaguars kind oh, of pu- pushed him. They pushed him a little bit. 
Yeah, well, he had over 300 yards, too. So, uh, like you said, he's definitely throwing the ball a lot. Uh, next one is going to be definitely a priority pickup this week is Jeff Wilson. Uh, him, He's going to be the one taking over for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, don't forget about the rookie, uh, Tyrone da- uh, Davis, as well. Uh, he can get some carries, too, as well. So he, they're saying he could actually take over eventually if, if Jeff Wilson doesn't impress in the first couple weeks. So uh, definitely Tyrone Davis is another guy you want to take a look at. Uh, Jeff Wilson's only owning 16% of leagues right now. Uh, so definitely put in a high bid for him. Uh, Jordan Mason, or Tyrone Davis Price, I just talked about. But Jordan Mason is actually a sneaky little sleeper here. Uh, he beat out Trey Sermon uh, for a roster spot, and they do really like him. And he, he had an awesome preseason. So don't forget about him as either. But the two you want to target is definitely Jeff Wilson first. Tyro, Tyrion Davis Price is the second guy you want to target in that backfield as well. Uh, Jalen Warren for the Steelers. Uh Najee Harris should be back in the next couple weeks, but in case he does miss this week, and he'd be a nice fill-in for you if you're a little weak at running back. Uh, so Jalen Warren for the Steelers, running back for them. Uh, the guy we kind of forgot about, he's, he's, he's a little bit more rostered than normally we have on here, but 58%. But James Robinson, uh, a lot of people probably have him on, his be- on their bench or maybe they didn't even draft him because he was injured. But James Robinson uh, had a very good week in his return uh, from – that ACL tear. So definitely get him back into your lineup if if you have him on your bench. Uh, and then Daryl Henderson, uh, Cam Akers didn't look very well this week, and he looked like a little banged up as well. Uh, he didn't play. Cam Akers didn't even play a snap until the second quarter. He's uh, not Henderson the starter did. anymore. I don't think. I think no. it's Henderson. I think. I think people own him though. I, I left him off well, because. I just assume. Yeah, he's he definitely owned, but uh, we, we want to just talk about Cam Akers, though, too. I think he's still hurt, actually, I think, because I, I think he would have started if he's healthy. So I think something's going on with that that we don't know about. So I definitely think something's going on with him. I'm bummed out and because then, I own Cam Akers in our league or in my league. So it's like, oh, no. I'm bummed out about it. I was like, are you kidding me? So, um, yeah. But, I, but a couple I, guys that aren't very owned, I, th- those are just a couple guys that were, but I want to talk about some guys that weren't. Jamal Williams had a nice week this week at 47%. Uh, Khalil Hebert, 41%. Uh, he had a nice week. Uh, and then Isaiah Pacero, but you can kind of temper your expectations on him because they were getting blown out when he got his garbage yards. Same with Jarek McKinnon. Uh, both those guys got garbage touchdowns. And yeah, garbage Isaiah guys. Pacheco oh. had he had 12 carries. Yeah, I agree. But, but they were up so, loud, so big, so uh, I'm not putting much stock in him. Uh, and then Tyler Boyd, uh, if T. Higgins is out, that's a definitely a guy you want to take a look at because he's, he's – 50%, 56% rostered right now, but he might be out there on a few waiver wires, so definitely scoop him up if possible. No, I agree with all that. I'm going to add um, Will Disley tonight. He had that first touchdown for uh, yeah. Seattle, and it looks like he's getting targeted a lot by Geno, which uh, i got to tell you, Geno's outperforming my expectations, that's for sure, so far. So we'll see what happens. This is a close game right now. I feel bad for the, all the people that just said Denver's going to crush them. Oh, my God. I'm glad I laid off this one. Um, and then the one I forgot, too, is Devin Dunbury. Duvernay du- du- for the Ravens. I had Duvernay, him. Yes. He's there actually their number two, actually, right now. Uh, he's only 31% rostered right now, so he'd be a sneaky grab this week. He had four receptions for 54 yards and two scores, so uh, definitely a guy you want to take a look at. Donovan Peoples-Jones also had 11 targets for Cleveland. Um, Curtis Samuel, like I said, yeah, you got them all, really, that I said. Um, pretty Going pretty deep into a league. Uh, you said Jordan Mason, right? And who's the guy after Jordan Mason for uh, the 49ers? Yep. Tyron Tyre Davis-Price, I got both of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Tyron Davis-Price. Okay. Yep, no, I agree with all that. Let's move on to non-starters trending up then for week two. And... Uh, I have running back J.D. McKissick versus the Lions bad D. I think he's going to get a lot of carries uh, for uh, the the Washington t- football team. So I expect uh, him to do well. And I also kind of like Jahan Dotson this week against the Lions. You know, the Lions, are, they can put up some points, but they're pretty weak in the secondary. So you saw the Eagles torch him a bit. I think they're going to get torched, but um, you know they're they're almost like a sneaky over team now. It's it's a little weird. So um, I like those two. I think uh, Paris Campbell might have a shot here. He's starting and he's playing the Jaguars. He's going to get some targets. They're probably going to cover Pittman a lot. So I'm waiting. I've been waiting for Paris Campbell for three four years now. It's time for him to <laughs> do something or be dropped. Uh, running back Naheem Hines will get some carries versus the Jags as well. I think. Uh, 
he did fumble last week, so he maybe he's a little bit in the doghouse, but I expect Naheem Hines to uh, redeem himself, and when JT gets a little bit tired, he's going to come in and pick up a lot of garbage time, especially if they're winning. I mean, they are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Wide receiver Allen Robinson versus the Falcons, looking to have a bounce-back game, in my opinion. I think Matt – I mean, Matty uh, – Stafford needs to have a bounce back game after that horrible oh, yeah. Thursday showing. So think about that. Wide receiver Allen Robinson versus the Falcons is gonna is looking or, or sorry, I already said that. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have a bounce back game. Cam Akers. I think this is the week we're gonna find out, Dave, because he did play a few snaps last week. So I can't imagine he's that hurt. We're gonna find out what's going on versus the Falcons. And hopefully Cam Akers gets to play. But you also have to remember that they're down so much to the Bills that the running backs didn't get a lot of play last week. You know, I would have expected them to be a little bit better in the past game, though. I think there was just a Super Bowl hangover for a coach and everybody else. I got running back with Melvin Gordon versus the Texans. I'm still not buying that Texans D. I just think it was that first game weird weirdness. Um, wide receiver Adam Thielen is going to be a good little sneaky play against the Eagles, which should be a shootout uh, next week. The Vikings versus Eagles. I'm expecting a shootout. Uh, A.J. Dillon for the Packers. <laughs> I hate to say it. He's going to eat up the Bears. And uh, the Bears gave up a ton of rushing yards and just kind of lucked out a little bit in some plays and grabbed momentum to beat the Niners. But I, I expect A.J. Dillon to, to do great. And I actually even expect Christian Watson, after dropping that pass last week, to have a good game versus the Bears as well. And you might as well even throw in Robert Tanyan versus the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> The whole Packers offense. Yeah, I hate to say it, but uh, right. I, I, Aaron Rodgers is pissed, and uh, you know, this, is, this feels just like one of those Sunday night beatdowns coming. It's, I hate <laughs> to say that as a Bears fan. I'm going to cheer for our first place uh, for six more days, like I said. Uh, running back Jalen Warren versus the Patriots, I think, is a very good look this week. And um, uh, I, he's the second guy. I thought Snell was for a long time, you know, uh, but I got Jalen Warren, Dave. Who do you got? Who do you have? Well, I don't know about Jalen Warren. The Tampa Bay always had a pretty good run defense last year, didn't they? They were like one of the top-ranked run defenses. Well, is, aren't the Steelers playing the Patriots? Oh, yeah, the Bucks are playing the Saints. I'm sorry, I was thinking the Bucks saints Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, 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 I like that. I like that matchup, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jets actually against the Browns. I do like uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Michael Carter actually had a very good game this last week. I, I like for him to have a good game again. I like those running backs against the Browns' core defense. I don't think the Browns really have that great of a defense still. Uh, I do like, uh, actually, Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake against the Dolphins. They, they had a good run on defense last week, but I, I do like those two, actually. The Ravens like to run the ball, and I think those guys could both have good games. I don't think Dobbins plays this week again, so I like them. I like the Heinz pick. Uh, I think he could have a good game against the Jaguars. Buccaneers-Saints, I don't really like anyone in that matchup. Uh, maybe the Buccaneers wide receivers, maybe Russell Gage against the Saints poor pass D because they usually don't have that good of a pass D. So I like Russell Gage in that matchup, actually. I like Jahan Dotson. That was one of my guys I was going to actually say. So I do like that matchup. And then Curtis Samuel, too. I look for him to have another big game as well. Uh, he's a big favorite of the coach, Coach Ron Rivera there. Uh, Cardinals against the Raiders. Uh, I, I like James Conner, but you're already starting him, so we're not going to say him. Uh, but I do like Tyler Boyd against the Cowboys. Cowboys just are a mess right now uh, with Prescott out now. Their defense looked okay, but they're playing Tom Brady, so I got to give them a, a, like a little bit of pull, a little bit of lee, leeway there. But uh, I still like to see the Bengals. I think Tyler Boyd has a big game against the Cowboys still. Uh, I think with Higgins banged up, I think he's going to have a big game. So he's one guy you normally not starting. I like Isaiah McKenzie against the Titans. Titans didn't look good at all this past week. Isaiah McKenzie is coming on. He's that third receiver there. Uh, you, can, you can kind of feel that Cole Beasley role. I like I like that matchup. I do like Watson and Dobbs, actually, for the Packers. Uh, I do agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I think at home on Sunday night, I think the Packers are going to show up this week, hopefully. Uh, Vikings, I do like the Thielen pick, too, as well. I think Alexander Madison, he got quite a few carries in this past game as well. He, he was something a little bit more for Cook. I think he could get some garbage yards in this one, actually. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of garbage time. He's going to get some uh, definitely some Cook rest time, though. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm saying like uh, upside of 15 carries, probably 10 carries. Yeah, I, I like Madison. I think he can get like five to 10 carries this game and, and put up a t- touchdown possibly as well. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, and I think the Vikings actually beat the Eagles actually pretty good in this one too still because I think the Vikings are legit. 
even though the Packers didn't play well, I think they, the Vikings are still a very good team. Uh, and then I do like the Van Jefferson if he plays this week. And I like the Allen Robinson pick, but I think I like Jefferson better if he is healthy and plays this week against the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, okay. I agree with most of that for sure. Let's move on to bus then, Dave. Who are your bus? All right, yeah. Some of my busts this week are going to be uh, – my first one on the list is going to be the Buccaneers and Saints. Uh, those two both have tough run defenses. Even though we got some nice running backs playing in this matchup in Fournette and Camara. I do not like either one of those running backs this week. I think both of them struggle against the tough run defense. Uh, that goes as as well for the Colts. Colts have an underrated defense, and I think they're going to play well too against the Jaguars this week. I do not like either one of the Jaguars running backs, even though James Robinson had a nice week this past week. I do not see that coming this week as, as well. So those are a couple guys I do not like. Also, the Falcons. I don't think Mariota or Cordell Patterson has good games against the Rams. Uh, coming off a loss, I think the Rams are going to – trying to get payback and they're going to be paying back on the Falcons. So definitely don't start any Falcons this week. I'm definitely downgrading them. Uh, the same with the 49ers. They're coming off a bad loss to the Bears. Whoever loses the Bears is going to come back and play well the next week. So I'm downgrading Geno Smith and Rashard Penny in that game. Do not like either one of them. Uh, Cowboys, I'm downgrading them. The Bengals actually have a better defense than you think. Uh, and I don't think with that backup quarterback starting in Cooper Rush. I don't think they're really going to play that well this week. Cooper Rush is a guy you want to pluck off the waiver wires as well that we forgot. No, you don't. Cooper Rush. Oh, my God. Poor Cowboys. You know, if they had some receivers. You know what? They had better receivers. They just have CeeDee Lamb, and that guy drops a lot of passes. You know, they're blanketing him. He's not a number one. CeeDee Lamb's definitely not Well, Gallup's got to come back. When Gallup comes back, it's going to help him out, I guess. But, yeah, that's one I guess you would grab if you're desperate or in a two-quarterback league. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there, though. So then uh, another t- t- matchup I don't like is, the, is Titans-Bills. So I don't like the Bills this week. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, still going to have a nice game, but I'm definitely downgraded. They don't really have any of the any receivers I like for the Titans. So I think Ryan Tannehill could struggle a little bit this week against the Bills. He might still put up uh, decent numbers, but I don't look for him to put up anything. But Tannehill great. seems to beat those big teams, Dave. They did all that last <laughs> year, my man. He does, he does, but I don't think this week. I'm, I'm calling him out this week. So <laughs> right. uh, hopefully he'll, he might prove me wrong, like you said. Yeah, but I'm hoping he doesn't, and I'm hoping I'm right. But because uh, I do like the Bills this week, so I don't, I don't like like that matchup for them. Uh, and I do not, I do do not like the matchup for the Lions. Uh, Jared Goff had a good week last week, and they they were passing the ball quite a bit. The Commanders have a better defense than you do think. They have a pretty tough D line, so uh, I'm downgrading the Lions running backs against them and Swift and Jamal Williams. That makes sense. Well, so good stuff. My busts are Justin Fields versus the Packers. I mean, you shouldn't be starting him anyway. I probably have Darnell Mooney, and it's going to be a little bit gloomy that Saturday, the Sunday night when you're at the game. Uh, he might, he might steal a big one, but it's just, I just think the Packers are going to be in it to win at this game, so it's going to be tough. Uh, six more days, I get to be uh, first place at least. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll see you after this weekend. I'll, I'll celebrate for six more days, Dave. Uh, Chris Olave versus Tampa Bay. Um, I, I don't like anybody really versus Tampa Bay, but you probably have to start Michael Thomas with how good he is, and you probably have to start Alvin Kamara either way. You know, I just it, it, I could see Alvin Kamara busting, but you can't call the guy that like touched. I think he touched the ball twenty eight percent of plays or something crazy last year. Just an absolute uh, amazing stat. Um, so, Brees Hall versus the Browns D. Ugh. I don't like what's going on over there with the Jets, man. That offensive line is banged up. They have no quarterback. Brees Hall could be a bust for the year, to be honest with you. I don't like. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I like. I think I liked Michael Carter this past week. I don't like either one of the running backs this week, though, against the, that D. Yeah, Damian Harris versus the Steelers D is going to be a little rough, even without TJ Watt. TJ Watt's more of a pass rusher anyway. They're probably going to try to lock down on the run game here. So I don't like Damian Harris, and uh, that's that's about it for my bust. And I agree with most of yours anyway. Let's get on to our nasty sleeper, Dave, and I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. I just think Justin Jefferson's going to get blanketed versus the Eagles. It's going to leave him more wide open. It should be a shootout. I, I, I lean the over in this game anyway, so I think Adam Thielen steals a couple touchdowns or so. That's my nasty sleeper, Dave. What about yours? I like him. My, my nasty sleeper of the week uh, is going to be from the Commanders, coming off his 2TD performance. Uh, Jahan Dotson, a guy I like coming into this year as a sleeper at wide receiver, so definitely scoop him up, and he could be a league winner for you this week. All right, I like it, my man. Well, Dave, thanks so much for coming on. 
really appreciate it. And I want you to enjoy the Bears-Packers game. When the Bears win, I don't want you to be too sad next week. You know, <laughs> Make sure you wear something so I can see you in the crowd. You got any... Uh, you got anything I have fun? my sombrero on my Aaron Jones jersey. S- sombrero and Aaron Jones jersey. Okay, well, the, the Aaron Jones jersey, I, that's that's like half the stadium. But sombrero, uh, maybe about two-thirds of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy Packer fans. No, they'll be all cheese sombreros. That's what's going to happen. Um, no, it's going to be such a fun experience. I'm jealous. It's going to be a, a blast. Uh, I went to Lambo once. I had a really good time. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at theozbreakers.com or tweet us at theozbreakers. Everyone enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners. <laughs>